Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Hotel Ritz Madrid. Um, if you're in Madrid and you need a place to stay, you're catching a Real Madrid game, you're here to check out the Bernabeu Museum, immerse yourself in the Madrid culture, whatever. If you're in Madrid, make Hotel Ritz your go-to because these guys are unbelievable. They hooked us up and you know the Managing Madrid crew as we continue our Real Madrid coverage in Madrid. Um, amazing rooms right in La Tocha, right in the heart of the city, walking distance from all the attractions, easy access to the Bernabeu from here, um, amazing food, amazing staff, amazing everything. Check them out, Hotel Ritz Madrid. Um, make sure these guys are your go-to when you're in Madrid. Okay, without further ado, this is the latest edition of the Manager Madrid podcast with myself, Kian Sobani, Om Marvind, and Gabe Lestra. Let's go. Hello and welcome. It's your uh, weekend managing Madrid podcast. This is your host Gabe Lesra, and I'm joined from um, sunny Spain by a very exhausted Kian Sobani. Kian, how's it going? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's like minus ten in Canada right now. It's it, you know in comparison, it's like nice and you, know, you just kind of bask in the, in the sunshine. But I've been inside all day, just sipping on an espresso, and I'm exhausted. And uh, but then I looked at the podcast questions we have, and uh, and I kind of gave me like a little boost of energy because there's some fun questions in tonight's pod, and I'm excited to answer them. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we're also joined by superstar Indian journalist uh, Om Arvind. <laughs> <laughs> Om, um, I just, I'm sorry, I had to do that. Uh, welcome to the show, Om, Indian journalist living in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. Oh, Marvin, how are you doing? I, I'm I'm doing great. Um, I'm I'm really excited to answer this first question, which is like five pages long, with like you know subsections and and a bunch of narrations. So that should be interesting. Uh, yeah, it is, and um, we're gonna cut it down a little bit, but uh, there's a lot of internal monologuing going on. I think we're uh, a little bit of uh shay's uh sounding board <laughs> which is fine that's great um and we'll try to do our best to convey the message that uh that shay has here um but yeah i think before we go in two pieces of news uh i mean shout out to uh x real madrid great um wonderful player kaka who has announced that he is retiring he rules kaka rules and uh yeah we wish him well he you know, his tenure with Madrid wasn't quite what I think we all would have wanted it to be, but it also was certainly uh, entertaining and, and exciting. I've gone through many, you know, we all have. We've, we've Growing up watching the sport, um, we have, we've watched all these greats growing up and we, we witnessed declines in different footballers. I don't know if, apart from Raul, I'm not sure if there was any other kind of player decline that kind of hurt me the most. Kaka's decline was really sharp. Yeah, um, and it, yeah. It, it was related to the series of injuries that he had uh, yeah. at Milan before he even made it to Madrid. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, we, we, we had signed the most expensive player in the world at the time, but we also had signed uh, a player who even at the end of his Milan career, he wasn't, you know, he kind of looked like he had lost a step. But still, like, he, he started his Real Madrid career well. Like, I remember, clearly. Yeah. If you compare him and Cristiano Ronaldo when they were first signed, Kaka was just on fire. He was flying, and Ronaldo was struggling to get integrated in the team. It was the first time Ronaldo cause was kind of, like, put into this influx of superstars um, at the time who were, you know, almost as big as he was. And I think, you know, Ronaldo struggled a bit more than Kaka did to start with. And obviously, Ronaldo was a unicorn. He turned around and he became Ronaldo. And, and Kaka just fell off a cliff. But he had injuries to go through. You know, yeah. Ozil came and eventually Kaka just got phased up. But that kind of hurt me the most because I really like Kaka. I really like him as a person. I liked him as a player. Um, stylistically, aesthetically, he was just fantastic to watch in his in his peak. The way he would dribble and run past players so effortlessly and like outpace players. Fun player, you know. Uh, nothing but you know well wishes for him. Just yeah, just awesome. and he had that great right footed shot from outside the area that I thought was just. It, it is one of the more beautiful shots that in in football sort of generally that I remember growing up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. and that period at Milan, he was he really was incredible. And obviously, he was the most recent non-Cristiano or Messi player to win the Ballon d'Or. I think what summarizes like Kaká's greatness and for for a Real Madrid fan is the fact that Kaká was the only player that prime Ronaldo would pass to at every single opportunity. I mean, Ronaldo even let let him take penalties. And there was, like, no whining or anything. Like, he happily let Kaka take penalties. And he would always look to pass to Kaka. It's like Ronaldo saw him as an equal. And I don't think he's ever looked at another player who played on Real Madrid like that. And I think that's just, you know, that's one of the biggest compliments right there, considering how Ronaldo regards his, his himself and his own level of play. My only, yeah. my only thing to nitpick with him was because he, he was too good of a person. I remember in... Uh, in an El Clasico brawl, I think it was one where Ozil and David Villa got into it and Ozil got a red card and he pushed like a bunch of players along the way and there was a huge brawl. If you look at every single player on the team plus the bench, everyone's into it, just scramming, trying to like defend the team and and break it up. And Kaka's just in the corner like hugging Dani Alves. And right. I took exception with that. I wanted Kaka to get in there and, you know, gloves off. Yeah, dude, that's that is a no. I remember that brawl, man, because the w- the reason that Ozil like there was this shit going around that that David Villa has insulted Ozil's religion and all this shit, and I don't really remember exactly what happened. I remember being infuriated about that brawl, um, especially because like that period in Madrid's history, Madrid was not beating Barcelona very much, and some of these games would get really it'd be really close or it'd be a draw, and then Madrid would you know end up having this huge fight where everyone got red cards and. And when we get thrown out, and then Barcelona would win. So <laughs> I was like, I kind of get like not engaging, except for the fact that I think, I mean, my understanding was that David Villa had insulted uh, Ozil's religion. Um, he did. I did make up for it though by throwing the ball at Chavi's head. Kaka was a gamer, man. That was a subtle, like little, like lob, like oh, oops, I didn't mean to do it because I'm such a good person, but inside it was like. You know, he knew what he was doing. Even even Xavi yeah. can bring the worst out of a person like Kaka. I mean, that just that just shows how much of a dickhead Xavi is. 
Uh, uh, shout out to um, another player in the news today, Antoine Griezmann, for posting oh a hilariously God. racist uh, blackface image of himself and then, like, not taking it down forever. And then, yeah, it's, it's a huge publicity thing. It's amazing. I think with the only reason I'm bringing this up is that I think it's really funny that at this period in time, right, it's very much that Antoine Griezmann is, is being seduced by Barcelona. And so if you would end up... <laughs> <laughs> of course, like he's preparing to be Luis Suarez's teammate, folks. Like that's what that was about. <laughs> but he is a fan of the Global Chopper, so it's you know, yeah. So it's it's all happen. right, guys. He 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 knows black people. He has black friends. He's yo. He does black have black teams, friends, so as right. this guy on Twitter reminded me when I made fun of him. It was like, yo, his best friend is Paul Pogba, so he can't be racist. Like, yeah, man, that's that's how it works. So good point. Um. And let's get into Madrid a little bit, because over the weekend, Madrid won the Club World Cup um, by beating Gremio 1-0 in what was, I think, one of the easiest 1-0 games I've ever watched. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, Madrid didn't score as much as they probably should have, but they also were incredibly solid at the back, and I didn't feel like Gremio ever threatened at any point. Hard to take tons out of this game, but I... I mean, is there any overarching message that you think Madrid fans should take from this? I think the overarching message is that Real Madrid took this seriously and they didn't take the semifinal seriously. And um, and what I mean by that is not like... It, it's the fact that when you look at the game against Al Jazeera and you look at the way they defended that, it was so clear that they had no respect and no trust or any faith in the counterattacking ability of Al Jazeera. The way right. they, they're high-lined, the way they committed their body sword, the way they were crazy lucky not to concede a second goal um, just because they had no no one defending. And not even the the central midfielders, um, you know, a team with Kovacic, Casemiro, and Modric. Um, or was it Cruz in that game? I can't remember now. No, it was Modric, right? Uh, it was Kovacic, Casemiro, and Modric. All three of those players are elite two-way players. There's no way that Real Madrid should suffer in transition the way they did in that game. It was a schematic thing that they decided that Al Jazeera wasn't going to punish them, so they just didn't defend. Obviously, they they decided to do the opposite of that against Gremio. And, you know, for a team who was supposed to give us a lot more problems than Al Jazeera did, they just couldn't. They they were clearly inferior tactically, technically to us. And when Real Madrid took it seriously, you know, Gremio just really didn't have a chance. It was a comfortable one nothing win, even though the scoreline looked like as if it might have been a tight game. It, to me, it wasn't. Um, Although Gremio did defend okay, you know they had they were compact, decently compact, but um, the same players who just didn't mark in against Al Jazeera and had no coverage for the fullbacks like Casemiro and Modric were were really good in this game. I have, I have a question about like about the Club World Cup final and like. You know how I talk about, like, before, like, I misinformed our uh, listeners about, like, Jesus Vallejo not being in the squad? Um, no, I think it turns out you were pretty right about Yeah, there that. was a video, right, of him, like, asking Infantino, the, the FIFA president, for, like, uh, a medal. And he was trying to explain to him that even, like, I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the squad or something. But yeah. can you still give me the medal? And then Bale's like, it's all right, child. Just take the medal and walk on. Yeah. Um, so wait, like I'm confused about that. Like, so was he in the squad or was he not? In he the was squad? in the squad, but wasn't registered to play, as far as I understand. 
That makes no sense. I know. I don't, I don't get it. So that's why I was the whole thing was confused because we were getting mixed signals whether he's in the squad or not. He was technically in the squad. Apparently, I don't know why, what kind of system prevents him from being registered. I have no idea. Maybe there was a quota on players who registered. I, I don't know how it works, but... I thought it was cute that he was trying to explain it to Infantino and say, hey, look, Shaq. Yeah, just grab a medal. Good God, man. <laughs> what, is, what is it with Real Madrid and having all these weird registration prompts? Jesus Christ, man. Oh, no. it, it's, it's embarrassing. Also, who cares what the FIFA people say? They, they suck. Like, fucking take the medal and go on. I'm like, damn. It just shows, how, it just shows like he's just like a nice just kid. A kid. Like, yeah, he's just a nice kid. But, like, you know, he's not, you know... <laughs> burdened by the anger and hatred I have towards FIFA, so if I was Bale, I would have just stood there and watched it, see how far it would have went on, just just for the just for the shits and giggles, just because I feel like it, there was so much confusion in that conversation that if he had not intervened, and Fatino just would have stood there looking at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why are you telling me all this? Infantino had that like smile and look on his face, like. He was trying to pretend he understood what was yeah. happening, but he had no idea. It was like idea. a oh, pretend yeah, smile and nod. Yeah, dude, it's the foreigner in a in a different country nod. Like, you just go into a party and someone starts yelling at you in a language you barely understand. You smile and nod, man. Smile and nod. But the problem is that I felt like Infantino was sitting there being like, what? It's like, is this guy offering me a bribe? Like, they already won the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so Madrid won um, Ronaldo's goal. The difference... I mean, good to see him t- tie Pelé's record for goals in a Club World Cup. Hopefully, by the end of his career, he will be able to surpass it, which would require Madrid winning another Champions League, going back to it. But it's not definitely not out of the question. Am I the only one who has struggled my whole life in keeping up with Ronaldo's records? I, I it's impossible to like every day you check the news, he's broken a record, and I, yeah, I don't and like understand. Some of them like, are... how, what is this record? Like, how, at some point, there's yeah, no yeah. more records to break because. Right, and then some of them, they just become creating esoteric and stupid records, like, oh, Ronaldo breaks the record, first person to score in every group league, group match from the Champions League. It's like, oh my god, so? Like, that is a record? Like, why do we care about that? I never understood. That one is like, it happened this year, and everyone started talking about it. It's like, that's not a record. Like, I mean, fine, but I mean, like... It's pretty cool, that one. But I think the, <laughs> the, 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 when he scored against Al Jazeera, everyone was like, oh, he has, he's now the all-time scorer in the Club World Cup. And I was like, okay, great. And then I saw after this one, he's tied Pelé after, after scoring another one. And now yeah. it turns out it's because it's since the, you know, the first record was when the competition changed its name or something. And now yeah. this one is like its history. Like, just tell us when the record is broken. Like, don't... <laughs> I mean, there was one point, I think, like, the 2012-13 season where I had, like, a Word document, and I was trying to, like, collect all of Ronaldo's records, and, like, there was a point where I, I could, mem- I memorized, like, a good deal of them, but then in 2013-14, when he, like, broke the Champions League record, he broke the group stage record, I just gave up, I'm like, what is even the point, right, like, the beauty of it is, like, you can't, you can't remember all these records, and you can, like, spend, like, hours and hours on google and there'll still be records that like ronaldo's broken that you that you'll never know about um, yeah, i mean that's just, just greatness i remember in like 2006 world cup i can't remember which world cup i'm thinking of but it's i think this one it's like the uh announcers go nuts after like the first goal of the world cup and the, the reason they're going nuts because like oh and this guy has become the first person in history to score the world cup opening goal on his birthday it's like <laughs> this is fucking inanity like just just the, like the club world cup record i get it like that's a competition and you want to have some sort of historical relationship 
but like some of these are just so dumb. Like I don't I feel know. Like I, we're I, also pointing in sports that we really try to invent these records. Like I there well, was yeah. like a stat the other day, like in the NBA, it was like Kyle Lowry is the first person to get like twenty six points, five rebounds, eight assists for any player under the 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 height of six foot whatever in yeah. like yeah. wearing. Oh, in basket basketball they do it a lot. Like there'll so be like much. a certain number of rebounds coupled with like an average number of points or something and it's like yeah. if you were to look at the big picture it's like it's impressive but like it's not like record-breaking impressive like when you look at it like basketball does this a lot so does baseball i mean we just are obsessed with it and i think when we're getting back to like real madrid and ronaldo evan said this recently to me like we were talking about the ballon d'or and, and the fact that madrid you know ronaldo and messi have just won for the last decade every single ballon d'or and people keep posting these stupid shitty takes about this competition and evan's theory is like well at this point we've kind of run out of shit to say about these guys like literally like how much more can you say about Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi? So you're going to invent like stupid new records or like some like make an argument like, well, Ronaldo shouldn't have won the Ballon d'Or even though his team won the double and whatever, uh, you know, because he's like too rude or whatever. I can't remember exactly what the dude said, but he's like, yeah, I think it's rude because he cares more about the Ballon d'Or than his team's success. And, and it's, it's like, like embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for him that like he he seems to care more about it like than than team success itself. Which it doesn't like the best thing about that though is like it doesn't matter if he thinks that like it, because like he is still winning with his team. Like it's such a stupid critique of Ronaldo because it's like it would make sense if Real Madrid wasn't doing the goddamn double and winning back to back Champions Leagues. Like I mean, it's it's also like it's also like blatantly untrue. But like yeah, like. <laughs> Even if it was, it, like it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter, right? It's just right. like it's just like you're mad Ronaldo won, and you don't like Ronaldo, like right. And it I, has uh, nothing. To do. I'm really surprised, though, in general, like of how many professional journalists have been sharing these opinions like this, uh, and like really like top of the line journalists who who say this. And and then also like when I was watching the Barca game today, uh, I I don't remember which channel it was. Now it's obviously one of these English speaking channels, but. When Messi was getting his goals in shoot, I guess he didn't hold it that long and he gave it back pretty quickly. And the commentator was like, "My God!" Uh, he said, "See how Messi didn't really hold on to it for long and he gave it away right away to focus on the game." We know of another star who would have oh, oh liked to God. hold on to it a little bit longer. <laughs> and I like thought really... I was hearing things, but this is like a real take. I like, just—it's—it's it's it's just so has to be. The... It has to be that they just don't have anything else to say because it's such a stupid, boring take. There's like there's like pictures which go around, right, which shows like Ronaldo, like uh, I think in like uh, 15, 16 or like w- one of the seasons where he won is like fourth or fifth Ballon d'Or. And he was standing. There's a picture of him standing by himself and holding it up at the Bernabeu. And there's a picture of Messi when he won his fourth, like standing with his teammates. And they're like, oh, the difference between Messi and Ronaldo, except there's like a, a picture of them doing the opposite as well. It's like. Like what? What the fuck are you trying to do, guys? Like I don't even understand anymore. Like it's just it's just so petty and ridiculous. And it's like, and 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 like Keon said, like these are like world-renowned journalists and commentators that will like make these kind of comments. And it's yeah. just like it just betrays like this this pettiness and like personally unprofessionalism. Like I I just don't understand it. I I really don't get it. Uh, let's talk. Well, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys have much to say about this match? I mean, like, yeah, Madrid, I think, performed the way you would expect them in finals. They took it seriously and they took their opponent seriously. 
I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit about the finishing, which has been, again, a topic, but I, I, I just don't... Yeah, I just want to say that, like, it, it's not some. This is not a match where, like, anyone should spend their time dissecting and trying to take something away from this, right? Like, I mean, in terms of, like, just just forget, like, the, the fact that this is, like, an official tournament. This was, this was essentially, like, two friendlies that we played in, right? In, in terms of, like, the quality of the opponent we faced and, like, also, kind of the fact, the reason we didn't care in the semifinals is because of that, right? And and we cared a little more in the final because we're like, all right, this is a final. But we, we could have done any number of things. Like, we could have played with, like, I don't know, two defenders and, like, five forwards, and he probably still could have come away with the win. Like, so I don't know, like, if you, if, yeah. if it's a good idea for anyone to sit down and be like, well, I don't know, Benzema didn't score here or, like, uh, you know, yeah. Sergio Ramos like missed a tackle here. Like, it's it's just not it's not going to benefit your analysis. It's not going to benefit your analysis unless you're the Benzema can't score goal guy who has been fucking <laughs> DMing me every day with that exact line, especially after these two matches where Benzema you know hit the post and all that shit. So, you know, shout out kudos to that guy. I mean, like this this was great timing for you. So, um, yeah. So I'm I'm down to just kind of jump into questions because I just, I don't have that much more to, you know, to, to say about this match. I think it's very interesting how vast the gulf in classes between European teams now and the, and the South American sides, a gulf of class that wasn't really as big when I was growing up. Like I think the intercontinental cup was a much more complicated match for a lot of these teams. And in fact, you had even book or uh, it was Boca I think winning a couple times in the early two thousands. So but I, I, at this point, I just can't imagine a, a, uh, a Club World Cup where the European side doesn't win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I have nothing that those are those are correct takes. Like, I, to me, I take more analysis and, and kind of just read the game a bit more uh, diligently and more focused when it's a Copa del Rey game. Like, for me, the yeah. you can take more out of the games against Fuen Labrada than you can... Which yeah, is really yeah, hard definitely. if you're a Gremio fan. I'm sorry, but it's kind of, it is what it is. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into your questions. And we've got Shea, uh, K- Shea Kateri's, um masterpiece uh, oeuvre here. Um, <laughs> so let's just begin with the first first section. Um, all right, so regarding the striker transfer, I have an idea. If Benzema leaves during the summer, why not bring back Morata? All right. And so then Shea goes on to explain um, his feeling and, and take on Morata. Um, and I don't think we need to get into too much of that. I think that for me, uh, Shea, it's just very unlikely to try to bring back someone you just sold uh, for especially that quantity of uh, of cash. I I also feel like if Madrid's going to splash like that, they might splash for, they're probably going to splash for someone else. So I don't know. Uh, I, I just, I don't see it happening. I think it's an interesting thought experiment, but I don't, I don't see it happening. It's almost yeah, like I mean, 0%. Yeah. I mean, I would love, like, I'd love it. Like I love Morata so much. He's like one of my first Academy players that I ever, ever really like liked and followed. And I would not oppose bringing him back, but it, it, it's not going to happen because you know, not only is it unlikely for us to buy a player we just sold, not only is it unlikely that Benzema will be sold as long as Zidane is coach, but also that, you know, Morata's really happy where he is. He's the main man at Chelsea. He's doing really, really well for himself. And I think he'd be a bit mad to change scenery after that because, you know, he's he's turned into a world-class player at Chelsea. And 
you know, if 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 it's working well for you and you're in a good environment with lots of good players around you, which which is what he has, then you know, from a personal perspective, it he it would be wrong for him, I think, to to leave that kind of environment. I agree. Um, okay, so next bit from Shay. Uh, if not Murata, I'd really love for Kane to come. I'm not so sure about Neymar. He looks more of a replacement for Ronaldo than for Ronaldo than for Benzema. I'm definitely not sold. All right, so let's just. Um, I'm not definitely not sold on Mbappe. Kane's style is much closer to Benzema. He's good in the air, and we are an aerial team. Um, all right, so that's the bit about Kane. Um, I think it's definitely a possibility that Madrid might take a run at Kane, but I also think that uh, Kane does seem to really love his side, and I think buy into the Pochettino project. I, I don't know. I think it'd be. He's not Bale, who's like a lifetime Real Madrid fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's more of a he's got more of that air of being a Spurs lifer. I mean, I I I agree with that, um, but I think we should try nonetheless. Uh, I mean, I think Kane loves the club, but but all players have they they have another eye on how their career is going. And I'm not saying that like we have this big chance of getting him, but I do think that we should at least try because. Shea is right, in my opinion. I think he he does have similarities towards Benzema. There's a lot of people that try to characterize Kane as just basically a poacher. I mean, he's not Ben's peak Benzema level of being able to link up, play, and drop deep, but he is good at it, and he's doing it more and more. If you follow Spurs fans on Twitter, if you follow Harry Kane fans on Twitter, you know, the good ones, the ones who really objectively analyze their game, they're noticing how he's becoming more and more of a complete forward. You know, before, when he was growing up as a youth player, he started off as a number 10 so he, I, in my opinion, with with the kind of system we play, and with the player that we need to like, you know, kind of play off Ronaldo and be a facilitator, you know, I think Kane can play that role fairly well. I take Kane in a heartbeat. There's no like, wouldn't even yeah. hesitate if he was available. Like, I think eventually, what the tipping point would be for him to leave Spurs. Uh, obviously, one is money. We we know that, but the, the other one would be if he's if he's at a stage in his career where he just wants to win the Champions League and he doesn't see that happening with Spurs because their, you know, their project isn't going according to plan or, or just things don't unfold as, as you want them to, or maybe Pochettino somehow loses the plot. And, you know, to be like, we have this memory of Spurs playing amazing against us, but really in reality, they're actually not that good. uh, If you zoom out and look at their season Um, and they're struggling in the league. And so I don't know if it's like all this third in the league. They're actually, I mean, look, yes, but uh, I I don't know. I I like I like Spurs this year. I um I don't know if they're gonna. I mean, like the problem is that Manchester City is really just kind of the class of England right now, and no one is really close. So I don't know. I oh, agree. They're Tian. seventh in the league. I thought they were third. No, they're twenty. They're twenty one points back of City. Yeah, they oh, just I'm... got beat up by City too. I mean, the thing is, is like, like the thing is, like Spurs. Uh, I mean, like Pochettino talked about it, and it is a thing with like English teams, like them trying to figure out how to balance Europe and their own league schedule. And and more than any other league, they haven't really figured out how to do it. Um, and Pochettino talked about like really focusing on the Champions League matches in the group stage and how that affected his, his league form. I mean, I, there's more to it than that. There's some of it's bad luck if you look at the expected goal numbers. Um, but some of it is also then obviously other things them not playing as well. Um, but if you look at them like compared to like Man United, they're mm-hmm. they're ten points off. Um, 
which you know in another in another season man united would probably be top of the table right now but city have won every single game but one which they drew so i think like the issue with like spurs and kane right it's like kane and spurs have grown really well over the past couple of seasons but they there's always been a team that's better like really really good teams like historically like you had conte's chelsea and then you had the whole leicester thing and then you right, have that man- was their year that leicester year which is and then you had and, and now you have manchester city that like you know, they could they could just go on forever doing this, right? And I think that might be the breaking point, right? Like, no matter how good, like, you know, Spurs becomes and how much Pochettino tries and how much they try to bring in players and no matter how much Kane improves, it always looks like there's going to be a team that's just better than them, you know, every season. And that might break, you know, Kane's will to stay at Spurs. But I highly doubt that's happening after this season. If it happens, it's probably like three or four seasons down the line. Yeah. I also could see um, eventually... Pochettino being a good substitute for Zidane. Actually, I think he's quite a good coach, and I yeah. also his ex his time at Espanyol will mean that he would certainly not coach Barcelona. So the only real step up from Spurs in Spain is Madrid, and you get the sense that he might be interested in coming back. So I don't know. I could see it. I, I think if I was a betting man, I'd put some money on him being the next coach after Zidane. If not, yeah, um, I agree. Know, and maybe uh, and maybe all the more reason for Kane to follow. Exactly. Um, All right. So next chunk of Shay's comments about Mbappe. What I appreciate about Mbappe is his dribbling, which could break through the bus like Messi and Neymar. But he he doesn't compliment Ronaldo like Benzema does or Kane potentially would, which is is something Real Madrid really hasn't relied on in a very long time. It's just not the Real Madrid style. But I might be wrong and he could very well kill it. Um, And then then he talks a little bit about um, his feeling that not – that people coming from outside of the top leagues don't always break well in Spain or EPL. Um, so, okay. Uh, I don't really agree. I don't, I don't know. I really rate Mbappe. He's, he's a real deal and he is definitely better at creating than people give him credit for. Um, I don't know. He would, he would yes. feed to Ronaldo a ton of goals. I have no doubt yeah. in my mind. He's, he's a complete, he he will he'll literally blitz teams so he can drift left to the left if you if he wants to and he can it's kind of similar to how we always saw like can Bale and Ronaldo play together the answer is yes Bale <laughs> feeds Ronaldo so many chances and so many goals just by his pace yeah. um, his playmaking like Mbappe can do that um, and a front I also, line of Bale Mbappe and Ronaldo would be absolutely sex on on any counter attack. Just like the speed that you would combine with those players, it's crazy. I, yeah, I, I mean, I can't believe that there's still some uh, there's a contingent of people that still doubt Mbappe because I could, I didn't, I didn't doubt him last season, but I could kind of understand why people would because it was it still wasn't like a huge sample size. But I mean, if you look at him this year, there's, I think it's it's almost erased any. He's doing it against good teams too. Like even though they lost against Bayern that last one, he played well. Against Juve last season, he was he was fantastic in the in a losing cause. Like he's he's not a Joe Schmo anymore. Yeah, I mean I, the thing is, like I, so I I would have like shared some of these concerns last season in in the sense that like how good is his link up play, how good is his passing, and all of that because the Monaco side he played with, um, you know, it really maximized Mbappe's like physical qualities, his pace, his ability to dribble one versus one, and it didn't really show what he was as a whole player, especially in the Champions League. And so I, I saw this PSG thing as, as kind of a test, right? Because 
he's playing with two players in the strike force that, that are higher up the totem pole than him. So how is Mbappe going to adjust to that? And he's obviously going to be expected to feed them and combine with them. And if you've watched any any of PSG's matches this season, even in the ones they've lost, Mbappe has been absolutely spectacular in adjusting to, to, to wherever Cavani and Neymar move and, and looking to feed them and combine with them. Like, if you had yeah. concerns about his link-up play and, and his ability to pass the ball and, and help progress play, you know, this season should be washing those fears away. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't say like he's, you know, peak Benzema, you know, like I would with Harry, you know, same same kind of thing with Harry Kane, right? Like I think there are there are forwards that are more specialized in doing that than, than Mbappe is, but he's also is he even nine is he even nineteen yet? I think I think he's nineteen. Yeah. I yeah. mean that's I just his ceiling is higher than Benzema's, I think. Yeah, I mean he's learning so much and and it's clear he can he can adequately do these things already. So um yeah, I wouldn't have any fear about him being able to do the um, to do those things, and I think I think he would be able to combine with Ronaldo well, considering he's doing it with two players who require a lot of touches of the ball and always want to score every single game. Well, he rightfully gets right. compared a lot to Henri, right? Like, and they have a very similar game, and both of them are the type of players who kind of relish this this uh, this idea of just creating chances and making plays and seeing things that no one else in the pitch sees like you know if, if anyone has a misconception that he's like a nine he's clearly not he's versatile and like you said oh like he he, he can play inter as an interchangeable piece in an attacking trio he can drift to the left you know he can he can blitz players on you know wing backs on the right side too he can go down the middle there's no question like i think he would fit like a glove like if yeah. i don't know i still i'd probably choose him over kane but like i would not complain with either kane or, or mbappe for that either of them next season or, or in the future agree yeah i agree um all right so one last thing all right so first of all she says all right bring back Morata. all right one last thing he says i know we've touched on it before but really do we have any idea if there is a buyback option with mariano um <laughs> I, I don't think there is. I think there might be a right of first refusal clause, but I don't. My understanding is that the French league does not permit buyback clauses in contracts. So that's my understanding. Marca had reported. I don't know if anyway. Marca had reported a while ago that there was a loophole that there is a buyback clause, but then the the, uh, the Leon president came out and publicly said that there is no buyback on the on the deal. So that that's what I've heard. Also, I, I like I said, I think that Lyon and Madrid very well may have included a so like when I say right of first refusal, it just means that if someone else comes in with an offer, uh, and Lyon is planning to take it, they have to also allow Madrid to match that offer. Um, that that is something that I think could possibly be there, but it's not a buyback clause, certainly. Um, okay, uh, let's let's. Um, Let's move on. Uh, Omar Asumani asks us, um, what the hell is happening with Casemiro? He was distributing the ball so calmly and effectively. And what about his powerful Croatian engine that was running in the channels all day long? Does this guy even have lungs or something? <laughs> uh, I mean, we've, we've seen Casemiro step up like this in, in many games in the past like season and a half. So I, I'm not surprised. Om made a great video to... Um, emphasize his brilliant celebration after the when Ronaldo scored. So you should go check that out. Um, and Modric was just other people, basically, guys. 
Um, yeah, Modric, I mean, Modric is the real deal. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, at this point, what can we say about Modric? He's just so good. Um, <laughs> we're very lucky to have him on the side. Um, I mean, I, w- I would also say that, again, like we've emphasized at the start of this podcast, is that we don't really take anything away from this game. Um, we don't need yeah. this game to know that Modric is a god. Um, we'd also say that Gremio, to be honest, they didn't make it difficult for Casemiro or any of our defenders in terms of, like, they didn't threaten on the counterattack once. Um, there was, like, one or two times they got through and we just cleared it, like, relatively easily. So I think we, we made it easy for the for the deeper players in this game. Or they did, sorry. All right, well, then let's move on. Um, Blake Brown uh, asks us, how much fun is Bale to watch? My favorite footballer to watch. So interesting question. Do you guys wear Madrid jerseys? I get crap from my friends for supporting Madrid uh, for sporting Madrid jerseys. Just wondering if you guys wear them and if anyone says anything. I do get an Ala Madrid from time to time, but most don't know what it is. Um, Blake, I wear you need to Madrid get, jerseys you need to all get the time. Your yeah. Um, Sounds like your friends uh, either are fans of different clubs or don't follow soccer. And if they're the former, well, then you can razz them for whatever shitty club they support. And um, if they're the latter, then you need to get new friends. <laughs> you guys wear jerseys? Yeah, yeah. man. Okay. Yeah. I, don't I mean, especially I if I'm, especially I'm playing like an intramurals thing or something, I always wear a Real Madrid jersey. Okay. I uh, I rock them occasionally. Um, we like don't have to wear a suit to work on Fridays, so I'll put one on under like a blazer. Um, and that's fun, man. I don't know. They they I, they 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 sit nicely. I like the um last season's jersey were super dope, and this season's away jersey is really the black going one on. is really fucking good. Yeah, I have a black one with Marcelo's um number and name on the back um for this season, so I rock that shit all the time, and I. I don't think no one has ever <laughs> razzed me for it, but uh, I think that's also because like I'm like six six, so <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you want to mess with me, really. <laughs> I don't wear jerseys. Uh, I just, I just, don't, I don't, I don't know. Oh, Keon's above that. I'm a hipster. Hipster. Um, I used to, I used to get a bunch of Real Madrid jerseys like when they came out, but I would never wear them. I just hang them up on my wall. That's oh, cool, man. I, I I collect them too, sort of. I just I still like wearing them. I I, I think the one that I love the most uh, is that a couple years ago that black jersey with the dragon on it. It was so oh, dope. I that love one. That. Um, all right, Christopher McCormick. Uh, the last few months have been, haven't been straightforward, and Zidane has come under some deserved and undeserved criticism. However, his record with Madrid is impeccable. Madrid have won 12 finals in a row, six under Zizou. Zidane is now Madrid's second most successful manager of all time, and after a horror show under Benitez, this dressing room looks as content as it did under Carlo. I know there are some who would prefer someone like Thomas Tuchel, but I still believe Zizou's doing the best job he um, or anyone else could possibly do. I mean, I don't know how you can disagree with that just based on his record. You know, like, uh, this season's a little bit up and down, but Guys, like Zidane in, what, uh, just over two years uh, has has become the second most successful coach in the history of Real Madrid tied with Del Bosque? It's crazy. Remember how he had that crazy stat? It was uh, more trophies than losses. And then yeah. eventually we caught and caught up and lost, started losing. He might catch up to it again. I think he's eight trophies now and ten losses, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> he might catch up to it. Um, yeah. I. 
my my feeling on this is that uh, he does get deserved and undeserved criticism, but I would say that I'm not sure if anybody would be happier. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure fans in general, just knowing how much fans would be happier with someone like Tuchel. You know, just, I think they would find things to complain about him, you know. And even with Dorman, he fell out with the board. He lost the trust of his players, lost the trust in the room, and then he, he left. And I'm, and I'm sure that fans would find something wrong with him here too, as they would with any manager. So all things considered, I think Zidane's vote of confidence generally is much more positive than I've seen from previous coaches. Except for maybe yeah, Ancelotti. But even Ancelotti, people really, really nitpicked with him. Oh, man. People were so bad with Ancelotti, guys. Like I, I feel like we forget that the same people who are calling for Zidane's head and talking about Ancelotti were calling for Ancelotti's head. And I just – this is just a, what being a Real Madrid fan is. Um, all right. Solomon Ortiz. So this is an interesting question, Solomon. I, I hope we have a good answer for you. Um, I truly believe a man like Jose Angel Sanchez has been so instrumental to Real Madrid and its success. What do you know about him? I heard a few years back that Jorge Mendes wanted him to work with him uh, and his company slash agency. He is so important to the FP and the club, Florentino Perez. I think he could be. Could he be a successor to Perez for president? Um, all right, so Jose Angel Sanchez, my understanding is he's the COO, sort of, the I think the equivalent title COO of Real Madrid, and he's been in charge of directing parts of the sporting and the marketing uh, aspects for the club under Perez. He, um, I don't, I think part of the issues, I don't know quite enough about the inside baseball to know whether it was him or, or who has been the architect of this kind of transition and move towards buying youth products and and trying to like work on developing and all that stuff but my understanding is he's been involved in that as well so yeah i i agree i think he's great um and assuming that the paris tenure ends well it could be a good decision to go with someone who would basically continue the regime so to speak the question is if if the socios are going to want a clean break then they might bring in someone like you know the same way that they did when calderon or, or other people were came in after the first Galacticos era. Well, Jose Angel Sanchez was also around for Calderon. So he uh, he was with Flo in his Flo's first Flo 1.0, basically. And then when Flo resigned, Ramon Calderon kept him because Jose Angel Sanchez was essentially the one competent guy that you know, he had <laughs> at that time. And then he stayed on with Florentino, came back. Like, a lot of people don't... I mean, because he's kind of like under-the-radar type guy, like in the shadows, but... Jose Angel Sanchez, a lot of people don't know, like he's essentially Flo's right-hand man. And uh, he was the one in the negotiation room with David Beckham. Like he's the one who signed him. He um, did it with Michael Owen. Van Nistelrooy was the other one. Um, Ronaldo was another one where he was in the room. Like a lot of people don't know he does the negotiating. He's the master negotiator. And I remember that Mourinho once said that, any anything he needs from Real Madrid, or anything he has to talk about, whether it's like squad building, signings, or anything, he doesn't talk to Florentino about it. He meets with Jose Angel Sanchez only. So this guy that we don't really talk about often, he is essentially the guy that does so many things that we think Florentino does, um, and for good reason. Florentino's a, uh, one of the biggest businessmen in the world. He's his time is divided between his construction company with Real Madrid. His agenda is insane, so he needs someone like this who's a, who's kind of like a. Um, and by the way, his 
I think he studied philosophy at university, but he's also a marketing genius. So a lot of these marketing things that Real Madrid does, Jose Angel Sanchez is behind. Um, I don't know, like the, the question at the end about whether he would succeed Flo, I don't know if he necessarily meets those requirements about being a socio for X number of money years, being born in Spain, having the, the bank guarantee. I don't know if he has that or not. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But So that's something that would have to be considered. Okay. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. That is a very good um, summary and discussion of uh, Sanchez, I think, from someone, <laughs> the person most qualified to talk about the inner workings of the club, <laughs> the man who's writing a book literally on that. So I could have also made that up. You never know. So That's true. You could have. Yeah. <laughs> but why? What's the point of that? Is also <laughs> yeah. I swear I didn't make that <laughs> you up. Know, like... I swear I didn't make that up. No, actually, like, this, this subject really interests me, actually, because... I come from a business background too, and I'm really fascinated by like leaders. And Jose Angel Sanchez is a really like really good case study of like a respectable, just genius right. who knows how to lead, knows how to negotiate, and humble enough that he takes like no headlines. So I found that really interesting about him. Generally, that is cool. I, I think yeah. there's also a discussion of him in Stephen Mandis's book. Um, mm. So I, if be, anyone yeah. can remember. All right, Essa Hariri um, wants to know about Bale. What's the issue with Bale? Is he fit? Why is he only playing 10 minutes? He was tackled harshly yesterday and continuing the game. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, he's fit. Every Everything points to him being 100% fit. It's very possible that he was actually being saved for a run in the Clasico. Obviously, he played both games. So, yeah, he looks good, I think. I'd be curious to know what Ohm thinks, too. But uh, someone, when we put out a question, call for questions on Facebook, for the podcast, someone had asked, um, because Gabe, you and I talked about this a while back to say, like, is there a possibility that Bale stays at Real Madrid, but because of his health concerns, he's a, he becomes a, a superstar bench player, you know, like comes in, we don't rely on him as a starter for obvious reasons, and he comes in, he just splits his opponents when, he, when he's healthy and makes a difference. Uh, obviously, when he's healthy, he should be starting, there's no question, but um, one of the questions on Facebook was essentially... Do we think that Zidane is, has this in the plan? That's why he came off the bench the last two games. Right. Um, it's also interesting if that's not the plan and this just happens to be him getting eased into the, the rotation, who is the one who gets benched in the Classico? Is it, do we see the BBC for the first time in centuries? Or is it Isco who takes a seat? Uh, or sorry, is it Benzema who takes a seat? I'd be curious to know what you guys think about that. I mean, like... I would have I would have a hard time like believing that this is some kind of plan to use like Bale as a super sub in the future because you know like you said if he's if he's fit um, then then he's playing I, I don't think because I don't think Bale would be comfortable with that right if, yeah. if Bale thinks he's fit he's gonna want to come off the bench and I mean not come off the bench but start and like if there was somehow this situation where he was coming off the bench all the time his agent who has no problems like talking shit to the press would come out and like whine about yeah. it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I just, to me, like, it's an interesting concept, but it's just never going to happen yeah. unless there's some really weird injuries. Like, it's just, like, Bale, I don't know, like, there's, like, some situation where he just can't play full 90 minutes for whatever fitness reason. It's not going to happen. And as to the question about, like, who's going to start, so I do think that this is preparation for El Clasico. So I think this is, um, you know, Zidane and the club doctors, like, trying to ease Bale in, see how he's ready. I, I, I do think that it would be like touch and go up till kickoff time 
because the fact that like you know he he was you know subbed on and stuff like you know that shows that maybe he's not a hundred percent yet so they're going to decide that as late as possible because they want to have as much information as possible um but if he does play which i i do think there's a high possibility he does it's definitely isco is getting benched right like Sedan, no way he's going to bench Benzema, and he would be crazy to bench Ronaldo for El Clasico. So it, it, it would probably be Isco who, who sits on the bench. It sounds I would right. love to see... I, I mean, look, that's right. I would also love to see the just him busting out that fucking Isco false nine out of nowhere. <laughs> the one that we've been talking about forever with... Bale and Ronaldo on the wings and Isco at false nine. That'd be so much fun, Keon. We've been saying that he should try this shit off forever, and of course he's not going to, but we've been waiting. I still want to we've see been it. waiting for that moment. I've been waiting for it for a long time just to see just to, to have Benjamin Benzema come off the bench. For this moment I would, all my life. Having said that, Benzema historically shows up in Classico. It does, that's true. Now you're going to have a bunch of angry people like finding all the times that Benzema didn't show up and be like, well, see, in the sixth minute of the 2011 Classico, Benzema misplaced a pass here. No, they, we don't get that, <laughs> that kind of quality analysis. It's the analysis, no, no. The analysis yeah. would be like, Benzema is shit. He's always been shit. He's never scored. He's never been uh, a goal scorer in his entire life. He was shit since he was born. Shit player. That's the, that's yeah, the kind but- of analysis and rebuttals we get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benzema can't score a goal. That's what we get, and that's what it is. Uh, so I love, I love our fans. I do, I really do. Anton Hackberg is going to his first La Liga Clasico this weekend. Nice. Um, he says, I'm totally hyped over the clouds about it, but I'm going there alone, and I'd love to meet up with some fellow Madridistas to make this trip less boring. So if anyone um, wants to hang out with Anton, man, you hit him up. That'd be so much fun. I am... Um, Actually, my friend Ernesto, from who's been on the my other show a couple of times, is actually um, going to be in Madrid all of the month of January. So, and he goes to games all the time, guys. He was at the uh, Sevilla match in row three. He was like, it was the closest thing I've ever seen to courtside seats. It was Whoa. intense. So, um, Anton yeah, has he six has a, seats, by the way. Like, I, I, if he has the same season ticket seats he had last year, he's like in the VIP seats. Yeah. So you guys like. Hit Anton up, man. That's um, that sounds awesome. So, yeah, I mean, Anton, if you want, you hit me up. I'll connect you with Ernesto, and if you want to get a drink with him, um, he's a Madridista, but also um, you know, interesting dude. So, all right, Nick Distefane uh, says I didn't see the game today. Um, obviously not by choice, so I don't have any tactical questions, but I do have two fun ones. <laughs> Good because I don't want to talk about tactics about this game anymore. Since 2000, who has been your favorite coach for Madrid and why? Other than Zidane, and if you could take any player who has played for Madrid and insert them in the current squad, who would it be and who would come out? All the best, Alamadi. That's good questions, my dude. Um, since 2000, um, I don't know, man. I really like the Ancelotti, that Ancelotti squad. Um, but I, I also feel like Ancelotti is too stuck in with his lineups to rotate enough to satisfy the extremely talented youth that is building up in this side. So maybe Del Bosque. Yeah, it was Del Bosque for me. I It took me uh, over a decade to get over the fact that we sacked him. I'm still bummed out about yeah, it. Yeah, it's still like it, it completely altered uh, the next like dozen years. The yeah. fact that when we let him go, it made no sense. And we, we spent the next like decade – 
shuffling through managers, like sometimes five in two seasons. You're telling me that Carlos Queiroz wasn't, you know, your favorite manager? <laughs> Luxembourgo Camacho, who came here and had a churro and then left after 10 days. Yeah, I remember that one. That was the weirdest one, I think, Camacho. Yeah, because he, it was the second time he came in as a coach. He left after a few games. He, he just left. He just, he came here and he said, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. It was like after a few games. I don't like this. Isn't that the time when he like just he played two? They played two games, and one of them was like a like a devastating defeat in the Bernabeu by Barcelona, where Ronaldinho was applauded. Was it, I'm pretty was sure that was Camacho. That Maybe I don't, yeah. I don't know. But either way, it was, it was a disaster until Mourinho came. Yeah. Well, Pellegrino had some good league like record breaking yeah. league moments, but yo, and I have a lot of love for Mourinho because I think that he. Of all the coaches, he really bled the colors on a, like just because he loves his team winning, <laughs> and like of course he hates like he's gonna be a dick now. But like when he was at Madrid, he was all in for Madrid winning, and so much so that he was willing to like embarrass himself and fight Pep Guardiola and and shit. Like I don't know, I'm glad that they're fighting again in the Premier League. It's a real throwback. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but someone got stabbed in the tunnel in Manchester. Jesus, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it's classic, man. Like, and he poked out um, what's his name's eye. <laughs> Remember that Tito Villanova. Yeah. yeah. I well for me. So number one, firstly, fuck Jose Mourinho. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> um, number two, Carlo Ancelotti, without a shadow of a doubt, is is my favorite coach, like of all time, um, without question. Um, so I I, I take him. As my favorite coach, and then you know, because you, you guys discussed like the Del Bosque thing, right? Like how sacking him like just created this disaster that we weren't able to fix till you know Jose came in and and you know Florentino 2.0 happened. I feel like it would have been the same. It would have been a similar thing with Ancelotti if Zidane didn't come in and basically like miraculously save us because yeah, you know we go back because a lot of Madridistas have moved moved on from that point and you know i don't blame them because like that benita's time was like just this really awkward kind of horrible time where none of us it, it just wasn't it just wasn't a good time like it was icky and it we it was depressing as well like we were all looking at it like we fucked up big time sacking carlo and and like who are we going to get that would replace him like no no good names were coming up and i could have easily seen for three or four seasons just us like shuffling through coaches you know trying out youth coaches who weren't suited for the team. Like, I think Zidane really saved us from that future. And I think, like, with that happening, we kind of forgotten just how bad of a decision it was to sack Carlo. Um, yeah, so he's he, he'd definitely be the manager, um, uh, my favorite coach for Madrid since 2000. And then the player I take in, it's really interesting because – we have a really, really good team right now. So it would probably be like Fernando Redondo or Chabi Alonso. Like, you know, Casemiro's improved a lot. Um, and, he, you know, his, his weaknesses is improving on right. But, like, when it comes to the perfect defensive midfielders, um, I just look at, like, three players. I look at Sergio Busquets, I look at Chabi Alonso, and then I look at Fernando Redondo. And those are, like, my ideal uh, defensive midfielders and deep-line playmakers. And... If I could bring them back, uh, the you know Redondo or Chabi Alonso in their prime and put them as a defensive midfielder in the side, I think it would just be a wonderful thing to watch. Yeah, I would. I mean, look, I get it, but Real Madrid 
does happen to have in their arsenal one of the all-time greatest strikers. So I think I'd probably go and grab Alfredo Di Stefano. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I mean. But the yeah, question I, is, oh, I thought the question was since 2000. My, I thought, but well, I, I think it was 2000. I think it was 2000 was your favorite coach. I also oh, took okay. him that way, but reading, he says if you could take any player. Oh, so yeah, okay. it would probably be probably be Di Stefano. But if we're talking since 2000, it would yeah. be the. That's a different thing since 2000. Um, yeah. I I in my head I was thinking 2000, but I the, the, it becomes a bit difficult if when you go back all the way because. Uh, just for many reasons. Well, one is because you just don't know how Di Stefano, like you, you have to put him in a time machine, put him in here, and you don't know what how, what would happen. You just, you don't know how he would adapt, what would he would, how he would figure it out. Um, is he physically coping with it? Um, You're gonna say Raúl, aren't you? You're gonna say Raúl. Well, for me, it's between three players. Um, it's Raúl, um, it's Redondo, or it's Casillas. Oh, Casillas. Oh, yeah. I bring back Prime Casillas. Prime Casillas was unbelievable. But, you know, you could also have fun with this and say, you know, I won't I won't pick based on fit. I'll pick based on just talent. And you can just go with Zidane. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I know, right? I was going to say, like, coach and player. Push, push Ronaldo up top. And then you have Zidane, Ronaldo, and Bale, and Modric, and Kroos. Crazy. It would be a sexy team, wouldn't yeah. it? Um Claude Makalele also. Uh, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be fascinated to know what the how, the dynamic would look like if we had OG Ronaldo playing with this Ronaldo. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how it would fit, but I'd be at least interested to see how it would how it would happen. Let's um. Oh, by the way, shout out to Carlos Quiroz, who you brought up. He's he's coaching an amazing Iran team apparently now, and Iran's really? defense is like That's incredible. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. We'll um, I thought he was coaching Spain China. and Portugal in the World Cup. Um, Thomas Berg, uh, please discuss Benz. I feel he looks slow and disengaged, slow with the ball, slow without the ball, lack of opening runs. Are statistics and your view backing or contradicting my feelings? Oh, why don't you just? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't know what to say, right? Like, because because of the Club World Cup, right? Like, it's. You know, I personally didn't really pay attention to Benzema in, in those matches. Like, it, I just kind of looked at it and I was like, okay, there's a match going on and, and we're going to win, right? Like, if, if this is kind of coming from, like, the Club World Cup, like, I'd say no. Like, I, I'd say, like, you're you're reaching too much. I mean, but I'm guessing, like, this is, like, more of a seasonal thing and, like, the Club World Cup is just, like, you know, springing that question. I mean... I don't know about all those specific things, but the idea that Benzema is declining definitely seems to be a supported fact by this point, by the eye test and like the statistics. You know, you know, just looking at expected goals. You know, e- even going to like simpler statistics, like the number of chances he's creating, um, like it- it's been declining since the 2014-15 season. Um, you know, I if you there's like a there's a number called uh, expected goal buildup. And so XG buildup, and what it does is it like looks at all the players involved in a passing sequence that leads to a shot, and then it evaluates the XG um, of that shot, and then you basically add all those numbers up, and then you remove the person who made the shot and the person who made the assist for that shot, and you and you look at all the players who who happened before that. So it basically evaluates the aggregate of of a player's ability to 
be involved in sequences that read for a shot. So it, it, it like evaluates players like Kroos and Modric, you know, who are not going to show up on more traditional statistic sheets. And if you look at his XG buildup, it, it's not great. Like, I don't have the figures with me right now. If you go to understat.com, you can look at it for tons of players. Um, but if you look at Ronaldo's, it's like he's like 0.5 um, XG buildup, which is crazy. And Messi's like at 0.6 or something. To, to just give you a comparison there. And I think Benzema's at like 0.29 or something. So it, it just kind of shows you, right? Like what we look at Benzema as being really good at is something he's just not excelling as much in anymore. Um, so I guess you could say he's declining, right? But I still think, um, you know, the whole slow and disengaged thing, I, I don't know about that. Like, because I, I, disengaged like, is another way of saying lazy to me. And I, I've spent a lot of time and effort saying that he's not lazy because I disagree with that idea. I think he's putting in a lot of effort. He's just not as good as he used to be, which is what happens with all players. Yeah, that's about right. It's a good assessment. Um, all right, we have a couple more non-guaranteed. We're just going to do a quick. This is a long-ass show anyways. So, uh, Sajid Riaz uh, says, hey, guys. It's been a week since I had the most amazing experience in Spain. Watched two minutes at the Bernabeu and also vi- two matches, sorry, at the Bernabeu and also visited the enemy at the Camp Nou. Now I'm suffering a hangover and missing the majestic spectacles at the Bernabeu. Best wishes to Keon, who's in Spain at the moment and was in the same stand as myself for the Sevilla game. Enjoy, brother. Keon, everyone wants you to hope you're having a good time. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I love you guys a lot. And uh, Sajid, I hope you had a blast. Sounds like you did. I'm happy for you, man. Um, I, I, Obviously, we had no idea we were going to be that close to each other. Otherwise, we would have um, met up and, you know, like just exchanged some some pleasantries. But um, at any rate, thanks, man. And I uh, hope you can make it out again. Um, all right. Last one. Naif Ahmed. Uh, I missed the Club World Cup games. I was in Canada. Well, you were in Canada. Well, Keon was not in Canada. Interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm tired. But my question is, do you think Barca will give us the guard of honor uh, I think they should. Of course you think they should. They won't. No chance. Zero percent chance. There's there was reports, never a chance they were going to do it. They're not going to do it. No way. I mean, there's, there's reports coming out, right? Like, Keon posted on Facebook and Twitter, like, there's there's basically, like, a less than one percent chance that they're going to do it. Or if, if you even, like, had that kind of, like, probability in your mind, it's not happening. And, I mean, doesn't really surprise you at this point. If there's one thing Barcelona aren't, it's class, like. The whole Mesque and club shit. Like, the only people who believe that now are Barcelona fans themselves. And even then, not that many Barcelona fans. Like, it, 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 it's all been exposed as, like, a fraud over the past three or four seasons. It's, They're more it's, than a club, though. They are putting, you know, the in, in bed with, like, the despots and, and multimillionaire oil tycoons. I mean, look what they actually are. They're more than a club. They're a corporation. They're a yeah. worldwide international corporation that cares only about making money. And when they say shit like Mexican Club, that's a fucking branding. It's yeah. meaningless. They might as well be fucking saying better ingredients, better pizza. Like fucking nothing. Okay. <laughs> so just forget about it. It's them using it's them using the political issue of like Catalan independence to build their brand. Yeah. If you if you're like a person who like thinks about like corporatism and like and capitalism in like a type of like cynical sense in, in the way it uses like political messages. Well, here's an example, you know, right. for, for the, the people. Yeah. The Mescune Club shit is the same thing as like Starbucks putting like uh, uh, love is love like message on their cups or whatever. <laughs> like it's it's nothing. It's nonsense. And don't get suckered in by it. 
Sorry, I've been building, that's been building up for me for a long time, ever since they put the UNICEF thing on their jerseys, and instead of giving the money that they could they could charge another club and uh, thing for that sponsorship, then giving all that money to UNICEF, they instead gave UNICEF the love of putting that on the front of their shirt, instead of actually donating the, like, $50 million a year they would get from a front of the jersey sponsorship to UNICEF. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I... <laughs> Although it's true, Barcelona is is a scum. But um, the 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 report was like first couple hours ago. Uh, Guillerme Amor, who, if you remember, Barcelona player in the '90s, who um, uh, who played for Barcelona, and he's now the director of institutional and sporting relations of Barcelona. He publicly said that Barcelona would not be giving Real Madrid a pasillo. So confirmation. Shocking. I mean. They've done it before, but for, for a club world championship. They did it before when Madrid won the Liga in the previous game. Yeah, club world championship, not a chance. They would, they would care. I, I mean, they, or should they? The we wouldn't is, either. I mean, I don't think I mean, Madrid, thing, Madrid would give them a pasillo for no. winning the fucking club world cup. I mean, the thing is, they they expect. I think like there was like a tweet by like um, uh, it was just tweet by someone like this showed Real Betis giving Barcelona of you know the guard of honor after they won the club world cup. So it's like. That's the thing, right? Like, Barcelona expected another team to do it, but they're not going to do it. So, I mean, it's like, I, I would get it if, like, you know, it was like, oh, it's just a Club World Cup, but it happened to them. So, there, there's a bit of hypocrisy They would do there. it to another team. Like, I bet you a theoretical world, let's say Deportivo La Coruña wins a Club World yeah. Championship, they would do it for them. Yeah. Whatever. I, I, I decided that this is just not something I'm going to care about because um, the game itself, just got to win the game itself. That's all that matters. And literally, that's it. So we'll be back. We have tons more content coming up this week. Keon has Churros y Tacticas tomorrow. Just remind um, Diego that uh, we shit on Barcelona in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that I call Mesque Un Club the same thing as the Papa John slogan. <laughs> <laughs> After that, Keon is going to be back um, on Tuesday with Alex Kirkland. Um, who rules so that's gonna be a great show everyone should check that out um we'll be back and later in the week for your midweek show previewing the classical and then we'll break down the classical next weekend yeah Ooh, can i um, can i do a couple of housekeeping things um anyone listening especially if you're a patron so the the podcast with alex turkland is going to be a el classico mailbag so submit your questions about el classico and alex and i will go through and answer them so if you're a patron go through on patreon and if you're not a patron, just look out on our Facebook and Twitter. I'll put out a call for questions at some point. But also, um, we need to do patron shoutouts because we've missed them the last couple of weeks. Go for it. So, patreon.com slash managermidget is where you can donate anywhere from a dollar to a hundred dollars a month. Uh, and any contribution you, you give us, we much appreciate it. You get access to bonus shows, uh, midweek shows, which are just like this, but they, they happen midweek instead. And uh, you can also get different awards based on your players. So, Shout out to these specific patrons because if you pledge ten dollars or more, you get a specific shout out on the podcast. All right, um, this is gonna this is gonna be tough to to say all in one go. So Nick DeStefane, Frederick Sundros, Doug Chisholm, Leon Stavernakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad. Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Gulet Ishmael, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Shea Hatiri, Andrew Gomez, Anton Hackbert, Jimmy Obey, Daniel Smith, Solomon Ortiz, and Jeanette. Jeanette is our newest one. Thank you, everybody. Oh, welcome. 
That's awesome. Um, and if anyone um, still wants to claim that following from Managing Madrid Twitter handle, right. um, shoot us uh, an email with your Twitter handle and we will follow you. And, um, you know, if if you have something that you want us to retweet, we probably could figure that out also as long as it's not like something terrible. <laughs> as long as it's All not right, your yeah. crazy bad costume to Halloween party. <laughs> 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 oh hell yeah um so yeah check out um <laughs> that stuff that's coming up i'm gonna i'm sure be joking about the costume stuff on let's do football this week so you can check us out there too all right guys um until midweek kian ala madrid ala madrid have you heard metro by t-mobile now includes amazon prime Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.